you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this evening. Amen. You can be seated. God bless you. Thank you for your worship. Thank you to this praise team for leading us into the presence of the Lord tonight. Give them a great big God bless you. Thank you. These folks work all day and come to church early and rehearse. I'm glad the Bible does give us a little instruction. It says to sing in the spirit and sing with understanding also. And so I'm glad that they sing in the spirit and that they sing with understanding also. I like a song that's on key. Works better that way. Amen. Amen. I want to leave a couple of things with you tonight. First of all, um, as we move forward uh, toward the purchase of the 6.5 acres that is to our southwest, um, we will be receiving a special offering. I will be sending out a letter communicating with you And we'll be talking about this just a little bit more, but we'll be receiving a special offering on November the 22nd. So that is a good time to be present in the house of the Lord. No excuses. I heard somebody cough as soon as I said that. No excuses. We need you to be here. And uh, we're going to keep the church moving forward. That is not this coming Sunday, but the Sunday after. That is the Sunday before Thanksgiving. That is November 22nd. We'll be receiving a special offering and come prepared to sacrifice. And the Lord's going to bless us with 6.5 acres of additional property that sets the stage for some great things in our future. Amen. Uh, Many of you, the second thing I need to mention is many of you are aware, uh, some of you even communicated with me today uh, regarding the announcement that Governor Holcomb made today related to COVID-19. And as you know, he has extended the mask mandate for the entire state of Indiana for the next month. And also, he has made some recommendations regarding gatherings. However, uh, we did just quick research and did discover that churches are exempt from that recommendation. And so the church is moving forward. We're going to keep moving forward. Amen. And so as we move forward, of course, we want to stay on guard. We don't want anyone to have to deal with this. We have had uh, well over 100 of our church members that have at different times, some even presently, are dealing with COVID, not that they got here, uh, but came from other areas and other places, work and different connections. Um, And we do want to be in prayer for those that are being affected. We've had over 100 church members that have been affected. Only three of that 100 plus people that's been infected were hospitalized for any stay. And uh, all of those had extenuating circumstances that Uh, or pre-existing circumstances and health issues that led them into the hospital. We lost absolutely nobody. And uh, the Lord is high and on the throne and lifted up. We don't want anyone, anyone to to deal with this. We don't want to put anyone at risk. And for those that feel that they want to worship with a mask on, worship with your mask on by all means. Somebody asked me, Pastor, are you going to mandate? I said, well, I don't mandate anybody to do anything. 
I can't mandate you to come to church. I can't mandate you to obey the Bible. And I can't mandate you to obey governor orders. But when it comes to the house of the Lord, we live in a country where we have freedom to worship. Amen. Amen. And today... Today is Veterans Day, and I want to just publicly say how grateful I am for all of our veterans. It is the price that they paid. Thank you. And for those watching online, you're receiving a standing ovation. God bless you and thank you for your service. And because of their service, we live in the land of the free. And we're able to worship God in freedom. And so therefore, if you want to worship God with mask on, God bless you. If you want to worship God with mask off, God bless you. We're going to worship God. Amen. Amen. I did notice that we have some special guests with us all the way from Oklahoma tonight. Pastor and Sister Roach are with us. I want you to come and just greet the congregation tonight. They were with us for an awakening a couple of... Come on up to the platform. Join me here for a moment. They were with us for an awakening a year or two ago. And, uh, of course, many of you uh, know Sister Roach as Sister Miss Misty Finney, brother and sister Finney's daughter and son-in-law and their children. We're so glad that they're with us from Dill, Oklahoma. And we want him just to greet you tonight. We love you. God bless you. You surprised me or you'd be preaching tonight. Praise the Lord, everyone. Amen. It is good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Good to see all of you. Amen again. Amen. What a beautiful presence of the Lord we feel in this place tonight. Amen. Man, it's a beautiful crowd out here today. Y'all look good. Amen. You look around different parts of the country and with all of this stuff that's going on, he talked about a little bit, uh, but strange time we're living in, strange uh, strange world, things are changing, but we want to be faithful to the Lord, amen, faithful to the kingdom of God, amen. It's good to be with my beautiful in-laws, amen. I know they were excited for me to come down and, and visit them, amen. Truthfully, I don't even know that they realized that I was even here <laughs> until tonight with all of the grandkids running around. Amen, but we're thankful to be here in the house of the Lord with you folks tonight. God's doing great things in Oklahoma. He's doing great things down where we're at. Amen, I know the Lord is blessing and doing some beautiful things, and there's going to be great revival. Amen, once all of this kind of settles or whatever else, I don't know what the Lord's going to do. Uh, we, during our shutdown, I don't know what you all did, I guess, for the beginning stages of it, but doing online, and, and, uh, and, and it's a beautiful thing that we can reach out and, and uh, communicate with those that are around about us in, in various different ways, and, and uh, we had to open up the church in the middle of our lockdown because there was a gentleman, he says, I need to get baptized in Jesus' name, amen, so we brought him to the church, just a few of us, and we baptized him in the name of Jesus Christ, amen, I know God's doing something, amen, the enemy will try to use whatever he can use uh, in our world today. Amen. But the people of God, amen, when we stay faithful to him, draw close to him, he's going to get the ultimate victory. Amen. Amen. I'm thankful to be here tonight, thankful to worship with you, looking forward to the Bible study. God bless you. Let me tell you, this church is a giving church, and of course, we support missions and missionaries and North American missionaries as well. And uh, I want to tell you, every time that we, we help one of our brothers and sisters and one of our churches that is carrying the gospel, uh, it is a tremendous blessing to them and also be a, it would be a great blessing to you. So I want to, uh, I just want, want to share with you just for a moment, make a little plug. Uh, I often follow, click on, listen to uh, Sometimes not even whole services, but sometimes I just catch the message or the end of a message 
that Brother Deal is preaching or teaching in his church, and I want to uh, just um, recommend, get online, listen, follow, connect. You never know when God's going to connect you. Social media connects us with people all, all over the world. And you never know when you're going to find that you're connected to somebody that you could just share that link or that connection or let them know about that church in Deal, Oklahoma. And they may not live too far away and God be able to just to make a connection and somebody be saved as a product of it. And so um, we appreciate the great work that they are doing. God bless you tonight. First Timothy chapter 6, verse number 12. This is really more of a springboard into a lesson that I want to talk to you about tonight. Um, I, I feel that this is more geared to the time, uh, to the timing of society and the timing of the church. There is so much that is happening in the world around us right now. Um, we, of course, uh, are dealing with strange, strange things in the year of 2020. And we have said before and made jokes about all the false prophets that said 2020 was going to be our year. Well, it better hurry up because it almost hasn't been our year. And um, But there's so much happening with COVID, a lot happening uh, in the political arena, a lot happening in the social climate of America and around the world, and so much at stake in the economical climate uh, around the world. And in these times, of course, Brother Dill just mentioned they had to open in the middle of being closed to baptize somebody. Uh, we baptized several during our COVID shutdown. And people reaching out and coming to us, reaching out to us, people in Bible studies. And so while we're shut down, we weren't shut down. The ministry of the church kept going on. We just weren't gathering. But there's so much that is happening in the world. This is a time um, that we must recognize the need for the church to go into all-out spiritual warfare. And so when I use that term, some just reach up and click off the mental knob and uh, just kind of check out and think, well, this is just going to be another uh, just another message that uh, seems to be pie in the sky, ooky spooky, uh, something in the supernatural realm. Uh, I'm going to try to connect heaven and earth tonight. I'm going to try to connect the natural and the spiritual tonight and try to connect the church to where we are and understand our need to engage in spiritual warfare. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. First, First Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, fight. Everybody say fight. The good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, wherein too thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. So Paul is admonishing Timothy to fight the good fight. It was an elder minister speaking to a younger minister. But I must tell you today that the fight is not just for ministry. But this fight is for every child of God who is striving to win the victory in this battle. We are in a spiritual battle and everything is at stake. I don't want to just rush into this lesson tonight, but in the laying of groundwork, I want to help you understand and recognize that most everything that we are seeing in life, most everything that we are seeing socially, economically, politically, all of these things that we are seeing, there is a connection to the spirit realm. And if we're not careful, we will isolate the spiritual from the natural, keep them so separate that we fail to recognize that we, as the church, as a Christian, as a child of God, are involved 
in spiritual warfare. I may be a week or two late actually preaching this message or teaching this lesson tonight, but we must understand that it is time for the church to be proactive. I'm going to try to prove my points tonight. I'm going to try to take my time to walk through this, and if I don't get done tonight, we'll come back next Wednesday. I'll pick up where I left off, and we'll continue on. But I must tell you, that this fight that we're in when we talk about spiritual warfare is not something for the platform. It is something for every child of God that is called of God to be saved, to be a soul winner, to be a head of household, to be a leader in your home and family. We're engaging in spiritual warfare. So, and the battle, the battle that we're in is not just a ho-hum, oh well, whatever, however things end up, a kind of battle. There is a lot at stake. And so before I get too much into this, I want you to understand that while everything is at stake, we must recognize that there's been a lot of, let me back up here leading into this lesson tonight. There's been a lot of conversations that I've had with many people about what's important and what's not important in the day and age in which we live. And I think we all in this room tonight will agree that we are living in the end times. I don't even think it's right for us to say the end time is near. We are living in the end times. They are already here. And the signs of the end time are everywhere. They are already here. Now, I can, I can also tell you that it was John that wrote in his day that the spirit of Antichrist was in the church even in his day. Everybody okay now? So we are living in the end time and the spirit of Antichrist has been in the church almost since the very beginning. And I understand that there are many prophecies of scripture that will be fulfilled and are being fulfilled even as I stand in this pulpit tonight. There are prophecies being fulfilled. We recognize that things are bad and will get worse on many, on, in many cases. Not here to scare anybody, to frighten the children, to cause anybody to go home and lose sleep tonight unless you're le losing sleep because you're engaged in spiritual warfare. But what I am trying to do is lay some groundwork for you, to under, for, for you and I to, to agree and understand that in this spiritual warfare, in the end time, that there is a mandate for us to go to battle and to war for righteousness, for truth, for the things of God. Because if we don't, there will be people that will be lost in this end time. And I don't want to be held accountable for not doing my part. Every individual, every soul is important. Regarding the, regardless of their economic status, regardless of where they live, where they come from, regardless of their social status, economic status, we are, we are to be light, we are to be salt to the earth. And in these last days, it is important that every one of us recognizes that spiritual warfare is for all of us, not just a few of us, not just the front row here, not just the ministry on the platform, not just the praise singers, not just mom and dad. Spiritual warfare is for every one of us. And so we must engage in spiritual warfare. We are in a spiritual battle for everything. The church and our religious freedoms 
are under attack. This is a battle for our kids, for our family, for our ministries, for our marriages, for our church. There is a battle. In the book of Numbers, the 33rd chapter, there's, there's a story that takes place in the plains of Moab and the Israelites have been wandering in the wilderness now for 40 years. They're nearing the end of their wilderness wandering. For 40 years they had wandered in the wilderness. They're now nearing the end of their wandering. They have now already had the miraculous provision of crossing over. Things seem to be pretty good for them. They had already crossed over by miraculous power. They had been wearing the same shoes for 40 years. Things seemed to be going pretty good for them now. They, they had fresh manna every morning. There, there was water flowing from a rock. Life was so good that they could easily forget that they have not yet reached the promised land. Anybody with me now? See, things can go really good for us in our families, in our homes, and in our church, and we can easily forget that we have not yet reached the promised land. And things can get so good for us in the here and now that we are just enjoying here and now. And every decision we make, every choice we make, are all connected to the here and now and not about what is to come. So they were forgetting that they're on their way to the promised land. And that's, that's much how we are. We're so blessed. Most of us don't really know what the word sacrifice means at the level in which they had sacrificed for their promise. And we have it so good that if we're not careful, we'll forget that this world is not our home. Now, now let me pick up with the story as Israel is receiving instruction on how they are to take the promised land and, and get to the promised land. The Lord is revealing to them how they are going to conquer Canaan. And when he started to tell them how they're going to overcome, at the end of their journey, remember everything in, in the scripture relates to the church. Are you with me now? So as, he is, as God is beginning to tell them, reveal to them how they are going to conquer Canaan, he gives them a war strategy. Why a war strategy? He's God, right? Couldn't God just have said, I'm going to give you the victory? But he told them, if you're going to conquer Canaan, then you're going to have to fight. Everybody say spiritual warfare. He said, if you're going to conquer Canaan, then you're going to have to fight. Now the story just before this, they face Another situation that they didn't know what to do. Remember, they've already crossed out of Egypt and they can say, woohoo, everything's going good. That's a type of the church. We're out of sin now, but we're not yet to the promised land. So they've crossed out of Egypt and the Lord tells them, just stand still. You're not going to need to fight in this battle. How many of you prefer that strategy? How many of you are awake? How many of you prefer the strategy of just stand still and let's not fight? See, that was a whole lot easier on Israel. They get to the walls of Jericho and they just marched and shouted. I prefer Sunday night marching and shouting. 
and we walk out of here claiming victory. Woo! We had church tonight. We marched and shouted. Man, things went well. Man, that praise team was on fire. The church was on fire. People were clapping and dancing and, and, and praising God and magnifying the Lord. And the pastor preached a positive, uplifting message. The Spirit of the Lord was there. I got my joy. I, I just feel good. Everything's wonderful. Man, I got victory tonight. But just marching and shouting. Jericho. But then the next place they go to, the Lord says, all right, now here's your, here's your war strategy. The last one, all you had to do was march and shout. Now, if you're going to conquer Canaan, you're going to have to fight. Everybody say spiritual warfare. So God gives them a war strategy. Many of the things that God has promised you and I in these last days and promised the church in these last days. There may be some things that the Lord tells us just stand still and fight. There may be some that just stand still and he'll fight for us. There may be some times that he tells us that we're going to have to pray and worship our way through. We're going to have to, we're going to, have to march and we're going to have to shout and, and, and we're going to get through. Then there's going to be the times when the Lord is going to say now, you're going to have to buckle down under the burden of warfare and you're going to have to fight in this battle. Oh no, because this day and age, the society, the thinking of today is no, I, I, want, I want it when the Lord takes care of it or when all I have to do is march and shout. But now when we have to buckle down to spiritual warfare, now we've moved to a whole new arena that God is, is requiring of us that we're putting everything on the line in battle. Several hundred years prior, God spoke to Abraham. The Lord appeared unto him in Genesis 12 and 7. And he said unto thy seed will I give this land. He built an altar to the Lord who appeared unto them there. Now we find this promise being fulfilled in scripture. Although they have not yet gone over into Canaan, they are now receiving instruction on how they're going to conquer Canaan. The one thing that Israel may have not been expecting to hear was for God to change the strategy where he says stand still one time and then he tells them to march and shout another time. Now he tells them, now you're going to fight. I'm trying to persuade some of you tonight that in these last days it may require the sacrifice of spiritual warfare. As a matter of fact, I'm quite sure it will. In the physical realm, we all live, I just kind of put this, just kind of put this over on the side. We just minimize that. Let me let me pick up and move along with this message now. In the physical realm, we live in a constant threat of attack on three fronts. Every military strategist knows there are three types of attacks. It is an attack from land, from sea, and from air. We understand that. Each of them have significance. Land, of course, is typical of the world. An attack from sea is typical of the flesh. The attack of air is typical of the spirit, a spiritual attack, or of Satan himself. So we all live in this arena of a constant battle in these three areas. We battle against the world, against the flesh, and against the devil. Our attacks, listen, your attacks are going to come from the world, they're going to come from the flesh, and they're going to come from Satan himself. Now, we have to understand that if we are to be victorious in this spiritual warfare, that we're going to have to understand how to fight in all three of these fronts. Anybody with me tonight? So we have a, there's a constant attack. First of all, we are seeing it rage so significantly right now that is 
there is a war in the world. It's the land. It's the world. It's a social attack. It's attack from the world and our churches. It's the attack that if we will just let down in our standards, if we will just take a back seat somewhere, if we'll just step down. There is an attack from the world that is constantly telling us if we will just shift and become more connected to, to what's happening in the world, if we'll just become more associated with the world, if we'll just become more like the world, everything in the church is going to be better. Everything in our life will be better if we'll become more like the world. But the Lord tells tells us to come out from among the world and to be separate. The Lord is telling us not to be like the world. No, don't be conformed to this world. The, the scripture tells us that, that we are not to abide by the, 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 um, the, 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 the demands of the world or the calls of the world. How do we overcome the world? By strengthening our faith. We overcome the world by faith. The word world here in the Greek comes from the, the word cosmos. Uh, in, in a broad sense, it means the invisible, the invisible system of ideas, activities, and purposes of the world that, uh, that, that seem to be uh, infiltrating all of our lives. James chapter 4 verse 4 says, Know ye not that the friendship, everybody say the friendship, the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Let me just check this for a moment. The Lord is not telling us to not have friends that are unsaved. This word is talking about the invisible system of ideas, activities, and purpose. It's all right to have friends that don't think like you, walk like you, act like you, talk like you. They may not even smell like you. It's all right to have friends. That's not what this scripture is telling us. When it speaks of being a friend, it's talking about subscribing to their, their system of ideas, activities, and purposes. Oh, can I talk to you a little bit? See, if we're not careful, we'll get caught up in the world. It'll become our own, our own thinking. Our thinking will be shifted and we'll begin to shift like the world. That makes more sense than what the Bible says. This means, this makes more, this makes more sense in a, in a broad spectrum to, to, to what really would work in this culture. Remember, the Bible gives us the, 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 the very clear sense of the way we should think, the way we should be, the way we should do what is right and what is wrong. Man's system is never a replacement for God's laws. So God's laws are very clear. The word of God is yea and amen. So we look at the Word of God and find our direction. So our system of beliefs must not be connected to the system of the world. Somebody may say, well, I'm a Republican, I'm good. Somebody else says, well, I'm a Democrat, I'm good. Our system, the church, the kingdom of God, our system is not connected to whether you are a Republican, a Democrat, or an Independent. The kingdom of heaven is not meat and drink. It is not of this world. The kingdom of heaven is a whole different system. And it is ruled by God and he gave us the ordinance of his word that tells us how we should think and act. 
So now I'm coming to you tonight talking about spiritual warfare because I'm going to try to inspire this congregation tonight to get deeper in the Word of God than we have ever been before to see what does the Word of God say about this and how should I really live. It doesn't matter what the left or the right says. I want to be what God wants me to be. So there is an attack from the world. And so the attack from the world is always an invisible system of ideas, activities, and purposes. So the, the, everything that is happening in the world is about changing our ideas, causing us to begin to become different. We act different, we think different, and we have a different purpose. Idea, activity, and purpose. So uh, that means our motives are different, our ideas are different. We now are thinking different. You ever talk to some people and you're just like, man, their thinking is off? You ever be around people and you're just like, man, their activity, their actions are way off. They've got to get something. They need to check themselves. And then there's some people, you're around them for a little bit, and they may slide everything else by, but before long you start picking up, man, their purpose is, is, is off. They, 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 they have a different agenda. They're, they're, they're on a mission for something. We need to check this and understand it must never be of the world. It must always be in line with the Word of God. Know you not that friendship with the world, that means accepting these things, becoming a friend of the world's ideas, of the world's uh, motives, of the world's actions, becoming a friend, being associated with that and adapting it and taking it on for our own, for our own thinking, our own actions, our own purposes. This is what it, the, the scripture says, that is enmity with God. Or that is war with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Anybody who's going to befriend the world's systems, I'm going to befriend all of these things. I'm going to take them on for my own. So how do you overcome this? We overcome this by being strong in the faith. It is faith that will get us, that will help us overcome. So we overcome the world by faith. Next, we overcome the flesh. The next battle is with the flesh. Oh my, I could teach all night on each of these, particularly when we start talking about the flesh. There is another battle that we are in, and this battle is for the flesh. And we live in a day and age in which the first thing that most people think about when any, any conversation comes up or any request is made, the first question asked is, what's in it for me? How does this affect me? How does this affect my bank account? How does this affect my schedule? How does this affect my family? It's what's in it for me. How am I being? What do I get out of it? And, and this, is, this is a desire of the flesh. If we're not careful, we can become flesh ruled. And so in this spiritual warfare, the warfare is not only from the world. That's one of the attacks that we must be on guard for. But with spirit, in spiritual warfare, we all, must always also war against the flesh. And the way you overcome this flesh is through crucifixion. You must crucify the flesh. We crucify the flesh by prayer. We crucify the flesh by fasting. We crucify the flesh by overcoming the flesh by the power of the Holy Ghost. The word flesh in the Greek comes from the word sarx. I, I'm probably mispronouncing, but it means living out of one's own resources and will. It's what I want. It's what I think. It's what I like. It's what I enjoy. It's what benefits me, benefits my family, benefits mine. This is living out of the resources of the flesh. And the only way that you'll ever overcome that is by crucifying the flesh and removing the flesh, me, I, humanity, from being at the center focal point of everything that happens in our life. That must be replaced. That must be replaced by putting God at the center focal point of our life. 
That means seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That means putting God first in everything. God first. And I believe, can can I have a little liberty to expand this tonight? I believe we ought to put God first and others second. I wish I had a little more amen corner tonight. God first, others second, and then we start thinking about what's in it for me. How do I fit into this? When we put God first, when we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, everything else is going to fall in place. I know our young people and youth group are here in the room tonight, but I'm going to tell you, when you start thinking about what your future is going to look like, what your future education, what college, what you're going to do, what occupation, what you're going to go after in the future, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. One of the best days of my life is when my oldest son came to me and said, Dad, I can no longer do this. It was an activity he was involved in. He said, I can no longer do this and serve the Lord. I've made a decision that I'm going to walk away from this. I looked at him, gave him a hug, and said, I'm supporting you all the way. He got the revelation that there is a point that I can't do what the flesh wants. I'm going to have to make a shift in my life to follow what God has for my future. So we have to crucify the flesh. The flesh is often the greatest source of sin. Sin is initiated by going one's own way. In Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul writes and says, For I know that that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. There's nothing good going to come out of putting the flesh first. Putting your will first. He says, far to will is present with me. But how to perform that, he said, I'm struggling with. I can't really find. He goes on, he says, for that that I would do, I end up not doing. That that I would not do, that's the very thing I end up doing. He goes through this whole thing. He's like, and finally in the end, he just, he, he, he says, oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Here is a a perfect picture. O wretched man that I am. He is speaking here almost poetically. He is painting a picture of a man that is condemned to death, perhaps for murder, wrongfully murdering someone. And they would take the dead body and tie it on to the back of the murderer. And as that dead body that carcass rots. It would create infection in the body of the murderer. And he didn't die with lethal injection or a quick death. It was a slow, slow death. He says, oh wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? The dead man tied onto his back. A perfect example of a child of God that is walking after Christ and not after his own flesh. As we're walking after Christ, there's the spiritual man, I want to do good, but here's this natural man tied onto my back. The craziest thing in the world. I received the Holy Ghost, thought everything in life was going to change, showed up to school the next morning, and guess what? I was there. In the flesh. It wasn't just the spirit. I was there in the flesh. Oh, wretched man that I am. I can come pray through every Sunday night, but on Monday the flesh is still there. I'm carrying the flesh. It is on my back. It's with me everywhere I go. There is a constant battle in the flesh that we must overcome. How do you overcome the flesh? By crucifying the flesh. And sometimes the flesh doesn't die so easy. And there is a warfare of the flesh against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. Everybody say spiritual warfare. 
Spiritual warfare isn't all slain out in the spirit, speaking in tongues and seeing angels. Sometimes it's trying to overcome a sin problem in your life. Sometimes it's an addiction that you try to break. It's that flesh that you're carrying around. It doesn't mean that God didn't really touch you on Sunday night, but that flesh is with you everywhere you go. It's there. You get on your computer, the flesh is there. You walk in your office, the flesh is there. Wherever, the flesh is there, and there is a battle with the flesh. And the apostle said, who's going to deliver me? But there is a warfare that we must engage in that says, I will not give up to give in to the flesh, but I will be victorious through God. i got to move on or I'm going to end up just preaching here for a while. The third, the third area is overcoming the devil, and we overcome the devil by resisting. The word devil and Satan would alternate here, of course, very clearly you know that. The word is never given in Greek. It's always given in Hebrew. And it means adversary or enemy. In case anybody ever wonders, anything that is evil is not of God. Can I talk to you real here for just a moment? Anything that is evil is not of God. Any policy that is evil is not of God. Any government mandate that is evil is not of God. Any societal things that happens that is evil is not of God. Satan was created an angelic being who rebelled against God. He was thrown out of heaven and given the earth as his temporary domain. So these three enemies operate from three different strongholds. Worldly thinking. Everybody say worldly thinking. Fleshly habits. Everybody say fleshly habits. And satanic influences. Come on, say it with me. Satanic influences. There is a battle that happens on all three of these fronts. There is worldly thinking. That is a whole battle. It's been out in front of us very, very clearly for the last several months. Worldly thinking. But I'm 52 years old and i got to tell you, I have dealt with fleshly habits, all 52 of them. So those of you that are all beside yourself over what's happened in the last week or two or what's been said over the last few months, go ahead and get over it. However old you are, you've been dealing with fleshly habits that long. You better fight that battle. But when we talk about spiritual warfare, though, we immediately go to the satanic influences and we think that's all that it's talking about. I hope I'm helping somebody draw some parallels here to make what, is, what seems to be so heavenly and mystical very real because the battle for in your flesh is a spiritual warfare. And the third is satanic influences. And satanic influences are very real. It is, the, it is the job that Satan is doing to try to get you to give up or quit. The Bible said in the last day, Satan would wear out the saints. That'd be his job. He's going to try to wear you out. He's going to try to cause you to become weary in well-doing. But every job, every task that Satan has, everything that he comes to you with, every weapon that he uses to come against you, we have scripture to counter that. And that's why we need to know the way you fight Satan is with the word of God. It is written. That's why it's important that we get in the Word of God. That's why you being here tonight and being in Bible study is important. That's why, that's why getting involved in a Bible study group is important. You need to know the Word of God. Thy Word, O oh Lord, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so when those satanic influences are coming against you, you can use the Word of God. And so we must... We must overcome, we must overcome the world. We must overcome the world. John chapter 1 says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. 
If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So it's talking about its wealth, its ideas, its system, its purpose. I'm, I'm watching the time here. So we must overcome. We must overcome the world. We must overcome the flesh. We defeat the flesh through self-denial. Galatians chapter 5, for those of you that want to take this study a little, far, a little farther, let me, let me give you some scriptural references to look into. When we were talking about the world and its standards, look at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And then when we start talking about the flesh, look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. Those of you who are note takers that go home and like to study this deeper, Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. I don't have the time. It talks about the works of the flesh, what they all are. It, It deals with all of these. These are things, these are sin issues that will crop up if we ever stop fighting the good fight of faith. You will see these things begin to crop up in your life. And the world is bound by these things. And there is a right response to the flesh. Galatians chapter 5 verse 24. And they that are Christ have crucified. Everybody say crucified. It's the only way you overcome the flesh. Crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. So we are living, i got to wrap this up. We are living in a time of great satanic influence. And we must remain on guard. All of these areas that I've talked to you about tonight, the church is being bombarded. We are, getting, we are being hit everywhere we turn. There is, there is something that we are warring against. This year has been so, so trying on the church. There are people who absolutely cannot be here. There's others who can go to Walmart but can't come to church. They're subscribing to worldly thinking. I'm not talking about those that can't. I look around this room tonight and see some that probably shouldn't be here, but you're here. But there's others that subscribe to the worldly thinking. And so we must remain on guard. I've never seen such open spiritual warfare as I am seeing in these last days. It is becoming so clear, so clear. The scripture talks about the coming of the Lord. And I heard all my life, no man knows the day nor the hour. He's coming as a thief in the night. People will not see and will not know. But you need to read on in that text because the very next scripture says, but to those of us who were saved, that is not so. For we will see the signs of His appearing and will understand them and will know what they are. So the fact that the world doesn't know Or that carnal, if there's such thing, if I can loosely use the term as carnal Christian, because I don't believe there's such a thing. But if the carnal Christian doesn't understand and doesn't recognize where they are, don't be alarmed. Because to them he's coming as a thief in the night. But for those who are saved and tuned in and involved in spiritual warfare, we're going to see the signs of his appearing and know that it is very, very near. Come on, church, we've got to... Don't let somebody talk you out of it. Don't let somebody tell you, oh, I don't know about all that Jesus is coming stuff. That sounds like some cultic preaching and teaching. I come to tell you tonight, Jesus is coming. is real and soon. And the church sees the signs of the time of his appearing. And so we must be ready. We must be on guard. And we must contend for the faith of the gospel. Jude chapter 3 talks about this. We must contend. We must live and walk righteously. We must be ready for his appearing. And know that the enemy is going to come. There's going to be battles. You're you're never going to reach the point of outgrowing. Let let me me wrap up with this. I'm, I'm 
just going to take a couple extra minutes here. Let, let me wrap up with this. It's very easy for our young people to think, well, as soon as I graduate high school, or for our young adults to say, just as soon as I get married, everything's going to get better and I'm going to be able to live righteously. And then for those who are in college to say, as soon as I'm out of college, the peer pressure will be off and then I'll be able to live righteously. And then those will say, just as soon as I get my kids grown, I won't be tempted to commit murder. It's going to be easier to live for God. And there's always the excuse. There's always the trying to, it always looks like it's going to get easier. But I'm going to tell you, as long as you're in this flesh, there's always going to be a battle. It's just going to be a different battle. And so we need to become accustomed to spiritual warfare against the flesh. And it's all right, it is right for the church to engage in spiritual warfare against the thinking of the world. If we don't, our young people will grow up believing that we're okay with it. Because what one generation turns their eye to and is passive about and just let squeak by the next generation will accept it as a norm. And so that's why it's important for us to stand up for righteousness and godliness and right thinking and right ways. We must stand so that the generation behind us knows, hey, mom and dad are still teaching and preaching the same thing that grandma and grandpa were preaching and teaching. I heard one of my elders, well up in years, recently made a statement and said, I thank God that the church I'm part of is still preaching the same thing that this church was preaching when I was a lad. One of the greatest compliments that could ever be said is that the generation that's coming after has a made-up mind to be preaching the same gospel that we're preaching tonight, the same gospel that Brother Price preached in this pulpit, the same gospel that was preached when he was a lad, the same gospel that was preached on the day of Pentecost. We don't change with the times. Modern thinking does not change right and wrong and truth. It's stable. Culture changes, but the Word of God remains the same. So we must contend for the faith. I'm closing. When the devil comes and whispers to you and tells you, all oh, this, you're never going to make it. You're never going to make it. You need to just tell him, get behind me, Satan. Resist him. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. You resist him being steadfast in the faith. So everything in spiritual warfare is not moaning and groaning and laying on the floor and fasting till your belly button falls off. Praying until you lose your voice. Nothing wrong with prayer and fasting. We need that and we need more of that. But you resist the devil by being steadfast in the faith. Just get up every day and put on your clothes and look in the mirror and say, Today I'm serving the Lord. And tomorrow get up and say, today I'm serving the Lord. Being steadfast, not up one day and down the next. Not being moved with every wind of doctrine, but being steadfast in the faith. We've got to make up our mind that we are not just fighting for ourselves. Not just fighting for where we are, but we are fighting for our kids, for our future. However long it may be, because the promise is to them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So if the end time is now, and if the Lord comes tonight, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, in the next 10 years, or the next 100 years, we must earnestly contend for the faith until he says, well done. Oh, I feel like we need to stand together tonight, and we need to close with a commitment to the Lord that we are going to engage more than ever before in spiritual warfare, that we are going to resist the devil. We're going to resist the thinking of the world. We're going to resist the flesh, and we're going to be steadfast 
end of faith. Lift your hands all over the room with me right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus, God, I pray your help over every person in this room for those that are battling and fighting addictions. God, for those that are struggling in their faith, for those that are caught up with the thinking of the world. Lord, I pray tonight you give courage for us to be able to stand in this evil day, to be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, to be able to stand, oh Lord, give us the courage and the wisdom, Lord, to be able to stand, to resist the devil, to resist the world, to resist the flesh, and to let the Spirit of God rule and reign. Oh, God, that we may be able to be a vessel of honor, a vessel usable in the kingdom of God. Oh, we thank you, Lord. We honor you, Jesus. We honor you, Jesus. We honor you, Jesus. We honor you, Jesus. Come on, lift your voice to the Lord right now. We honor you, Jesus. We honor you, Jesus. We honor you, Jesus. We honor you, Jesus. I surrender all. Come on, sing it with me. I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. With hands lifted high, come on, sing it with me now. Say, I surrender all. I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. God, be with us tonight. Be with every home and family. Build a hedge, a wall about them. Protect them from evil.